0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Big Handful of Cocaine for you Turn to Oh on bbgwrestling.com Big Handful of Cocaine for you It's time to take out the trash We can get through this bullshit If we're all really high I am Pablo Woo! I, 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 I am Pablo The first ever Miss Rumble 2000 Well
1: from the little turd to the big turd Good luck And with me is The Council
0: of State Cowboy
1: my vocal
0: tone and with me is the chill chill chosen one those suplex attacked nearly poofed him into dust hello everybody welcome to another episode of turn truckle on bbgwrestling.com i am pablo and with me is the paycheck nails thought he was going to get compared to the na- the paycheck that i you know he actually got i'll start that again fucking hell <laughs>
1: Right, I thought you were going to say the nails that Paycheck thought he was going to get, and I've just got this image (laughs) of Johnny Paycheck sat there waiting for some nails to get delivered from Screwfix
0: Direct. (laughs) And he's like, take these nails and shove them. You knew what I was going to say. (laughs) Oh, God. I try too hard with these, and then I fuck it up. So, yeah, (laughs) we'll talk about Nails' as Paycheck, believe me, uh, later on in the pay-per-view. It's Tempest. Hello. Hello,
1: thank you. You've started the uh the vibe exactly right for me because <laughs> with this being a Wembley Way show, I've been in cup final mode and I have partied quite hard today. So forgive me for whatever I may do or say during this show.
0: Yeah, we've started off <laughs> terribly and we're going to go downhill from there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, if you haven't guessed, we're talking. Well, as Jimmy Garvin says
1: guessed again from clicking, It's like you said with the sold-out one. If you haven't guessed
0: yet, motherfucker, the show is named after the show we watched. Well, that is true. As Jimmy Garvin says on the WrestleMania single, are you ready for Survivor Series? That's right, kids. We're talking about from 1992. So <laughs> I didn't know that for years. I don't think anyone knew that. You know the voice at the start. I did not know that was. Jimmy Are you ready <laughs> for the Survivor Series? And they took that from a dark show interview, or like dark footage interview that they've recently just put on the network, and everyone's collective fucking tits were blown off at uh, the fact that. Sorry, we,
1: you just say that's recently added to the network. What is that show? It's on the hidden gems
0: before they scrapped all the hidden gems. Um, it's one. Or t- get peacocked up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, There's one particular house show, and I can't. Is it the one where Brett B. Flair might have been? And but they show all the dark footage as well. And there'd been rumors for years that Jimmy Garvin had had an interview segment. What he actually had was it was just in his hometown or something. Um, and he shows up for an interview with Gene Oakland, and the, the like Simon Cowell must have been given this particular audio. Um, because he actually uses the words, are you ready for WrestleMania? Oh, sorry, are you ready for Survivor Series? Because it's just before Survivor Series 92. And that's what they use at the that start. much of
1: esteemed event. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was Jimmy Garvin who said it. He is actually on a top 10 single in the UK. It, like, the Freebirds finally got the wish. Like, they're on a hit single.
1: I, <laughs> I was just about to say that. When you're a Freebird forever, but Simon Cowell gets you a fucking big hit. I bet he's fucking still drinking about that thought today.
0: I bet you Jimmy Garvin never, ever knew that he was on that single and probably still doesn't know. And probably still doesn't know. Um, And
1: I would urge all of our listeners to not let him know. Let's let Jimmy (laughs) live in the ignorance that he was not only on a WWE signal, signal, single, but also a one made by Mr. X-Factor, Simon Cowell, which X-Factor is finally getting axed after 17 years, you fucking cunt.
0: I like that album. Thank you very much.
1: Um, well, I'm all right with the album. Just fuck the X Factor. <laughs> yeah, Unless it's I'm, the move. I don't want to talk about it.
0: I wish if it was about 10 years ago, as like struggling musician in inverted commas, I would have been jumping for joy. Now I'm just indifferent to the whole thing because they've just it's the Brian Pullman line. They've raped, pillaged and plundered the like music industry, mm. taken what they wanted and just left what is there now
1: and- <laughs> i feel you there i remember um, being in like metal bands in like 2008 and shit and just being cursing the fucking name of x factor <laughs> and in 2021 i'm just a fat old dad who sings country music
0: <laughs> well it makes you wonder what you like what you were angry about you know what i mean instead of focusing on your own stuff i was just like fuck x factor like every week that no nah, you were
1: focusing on your own stuff it was just no, that's true the sheer lack of fucking opportunities <laughs> you would get Let's not, not start that soapbox. Anyone who's listened to Rogue Radio knows the Tempest is capable of climbing up on the fucking soapbox
0: and declaring war. Well, we, we can definitely talk about that when we do like the, the WrestleMania album review, which is definitely gonna come.
1: That's definitely coming.
0: <laughs> and you're gonna fall out with me. <laughs> I have insisted that you've put this in your car before. Um <laughs> It was when I was showing you the other Nasty Boy songs and that. (laughs) Well, you were playing like World in Motion or something. And then I was just like, oh, I know a sports anthem. That needs to be played. (laughs) And then I played the WrestleMania song. And you guessed it because I'm so one-dimensional that you guessed it before I even put it on. And I was just That was why you
1: didn't get ejected from the car.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) from the moving vehicle. Uh, So, yeah, Summers 92. Now... Yes,
1: indeed. First fucking WWE show I think I ever saw. Other than that, I may have seen Royal Rumble 89 before this on a different tape. Is that the one where there's like a photo that looks like it could be on a milk carton, but of Ultimate Warrior in <laughs> his underpants with face paint on being like, Grrr. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> then yes, that I may have seen that first, but I don't remember it that well. But this is the first tape I remember seeing.
0: Well, Summerslam, like, I mean, I've talked about this a, a few times and I'm sure a lot of people my age listening will associate with this Summerslam 92 and we joke about the Wrestlemania album, well you joke about it, I'm deadly serious about the Wrestlemania <laughs> album it, um, You joke about the Freebird album as if it's not like <laughs> tattooed on my back <laughs> not, not not the gatefold picture of Michael Hayes I hope with the confederate flyover oh, like, No up. that
1: one's on my season
0: <laughs> Tattooed into the inside of your eyelids <laughs> um, <laughs> Summerslam sold out Wembley Stadium any brand that can sell out Wembley Stadium is going to get attention. And if in the UK, you'll have noticed, I always say that the WWF was just as hot or even hotter in the early 90s than it ever was in the UK in the Attitude Era. And that's a bold statement.
1: I agree. It's bold. not a bold statement if you were there the first time around. Yeah. Um, only, I'm, I'm all seriousness <laughs> aside, it is only a bold statement to people who literally weren't there and don't know. I remember going to London because of us having family down there and like you went doing the markets and that and there were any amounts of like Bret Hart and fucking British Bulldog t-shirts on sale on every fucking stand. Like when you're going down Camden and that nasty boys and that like it was hot as shit.
0: And a a sign of that as well. I bet you a lot of the stuff will have been bootleg stuff. Because oh, was boot probably our boot. bootlegs. They probably was. well, there's there's so much bootleg stuff from just that event, uh, which is it's kind of almost like unofficial, official, because everyone knows about it, like some of the badges, some of the t-shirts and bootleg t-shirts now. It's insane. If it's from back in the day, they go for so much money because there's just as much intrigue in them and uh, than there is with some of the actual designs, because you'll get like nails and berserker on a t-shirt, which you like never get any other time in uh in the history of any known universe t-shirts yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so because they sold out Wembley Stadium you know they got the attention of Simon Cowell they got the attention of a lot of uh, manufacturers and licensees and stuff like that and Christmas 92 as a result of that was when I got my first ever wrestling ring it was a WCW ring you'll be glad to hear but uh, <laughs> better, much better than the WWF ring it came with an actual bell
1: you, you could... need to be able to do actual wrestling in a WCW ring, though, so it's got to be a better ring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, it unlike real life, it was actually a harder ring than the WWF. It didn't break after a. Oh, five
1: really? Seasons. Oh, it was.
0: I solid.
1: wanted you to have a southern bumping ring that, like, proper sprang your fucking <laughs> dolls into the ceiling like a trampoline.
0: <laughs> oh no! This this ring was solid, and I think it had to be because the figures were basically just blocks of plastic that you could just chuck at someone chuck them down the <laughs> stairs and they wouldn't break um Womp rocks <laughs> <laughs> so it came with a rick flaring and on anderson and then i also yeah got, yeah and then i also got uh an undertaker and boss man and uh, you know that was the start of it and it could be you know it, i'm sure it was attributed to, to wembley selling out and stuff just being more readily available than even it had been previously over the past mm. couple of years, because like the Sky merger and stuff like that, SummerSlam really propelled WWF over 92, 93 and 94, those kind of lean years in America. They were here every five or six months on a European tour. So got to see them at Whitley Bay shrink in January 93. I'm sure Brett versus Flair was the main, but I remember very little. Um, fucking
1: wish I'd been to that. Uh, Brett versus Rick. Fucking mm-hmm. hell.
0: Well, that's when they were doing the loop and they were doing like Iron They didn't do an Iron Man match in Whitley Bay Ice Rink, but they were doing like Iron Man matches on those shows.
1: <laughs> Everyone's had an Iron Man match in Whitley Bay, mate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so yeah, so Islam 82 is uh, it, if we can only lay claim to one WWF pay per view ever, like let this be the one. Like it's just, it is not, the one. I know not every match is a five star classic. That's not the point of a pay per view anyway. But it's just the feeling of it and just the spectacle, except the, the yes. Vince McMahon words, you know, the, <laughs> the ones There that is an
1: was. atmosphere to it. Yeah. The, the, the sense of spectacle is 100% correct. It's probably why I've partied a bit too hard today. Like, it feels like a cup <laughs> final or like you're going to a fucking festival. It's just wonderful. Like, I've got so many memories of Wembley in that time period from football, never mind like wrestling memories. And like, this is the era I got into wrestling. And I think, honestly, a lot of our uh, less blessed by youth listeners probably have the same memory of this event as one of the things that got them into wrestling.
0: Oh, I, w- I would bet. I mean, even if parents were into wrestling, they probably took their kids down there. I know I've got a few friends who did go to SummerSlam 92. And it w- it one was... of my old neighbours went. Oh, really? It's the equivalent of, I don't know, like going to Disney. You know what I mean? It's just such a big event. And even if you weren't knowledgeable of all the wrestlers and stuff like that, you went because it was the big American WWF show coming to town. And
1: you know what I wanted to ask as well? Is this the first SummerSlam the way the modern ones are, where it's in a fucking muckle outdoor sports stadium with no roof? and they've got the geek fucking big rig in the middle that shoots pyro and everywhere, which is fairly standard fare for the stuff like SummerSlam and WrestleMania now. But had they ever done that back then? Because that seems like a first to me.
0: Not for outdoor events. Uh, some of the outdoor events were just, you know, weather risks in themselves, like the Puerto Rico show. from 8 As if 5 London's 5. not. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at the end of August as well, it was probably a bit of a risk. But I... Um, it's certainly, yeah, they've never, they've never done anything like this before. Um, and I mean, it could be argued as well whether, I don't know what you think about this, whether WWF was strictly the draw or wh- how much British Bulldog was actually the draw for this. Like, what do you think?
1: I actually think there's a bit of both because there's like, for example, my old neighbour was just like, we're going to see WWF at Wembley. Because, you know, you're going to Wembley, especially in the 90s, and it's, it's where big things happen. Mm-hmm. But um there's throughout the show something you never hear on American ones, you know, like you hear air horns in American events, but you hear the football nah, 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 like where you go Jordies! but like they're always going bulldog. And yeah. it happens numerous times through the event. So I definitely think he still had drawing power. And, like if you were taking your kids, that's that's Davy Boy who was on World of Sport, you know what I mean? Like he's got multi-generation appeal.
0: Oh, well, absolutely. And there's there's a part of the event that uh, we'll get into, the is and Ed, which I think was specifically to try and maybe honor their past. I think they could have went more into it, to be honest, and brought some of the world of sport names out. I think that would have been a really nice that would touch.
1: Be fucking Belter, like Wouldn't Johnny that... Saint coming out in that. In Imagine the... Mick McManus coming out in a fucking <laughs> WWE ring out of at Kendo and Nagasaki. That would be fucking
0: class. And it's not like they hadn't done it on subsequent pay per views. If they're on a certain town, they'll bring out the legends and stuff like that. It does feel like this would be the event to do it. And I've always said, Well, I always said if they're ever going to do another SummerSlam or something like that, or WrestleMania, you've got to have just a a World of Sport Hall of Fame.
1: I think most of them are fucking deed now. Well, should we get off that? (laughs) (laughs) It's just miserable. It's just another missed opportunity.
0: It is, it is. Um, but 1992, um, there's just something. I, maybe this, I, I kind of Bojack Horseman. It, you know what I mean? I go back to it because it's just a bright, sunny, optimistic period, and that we should a... talk sadly about. It. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's just such a like the crowd are so fucking up for this. It's such a feel good event all the way through, and the crowd do not die at all. And no, they're really hot throughout. Mm-hmm. And they're not about being seen on TV. Uh, like, they, they're all, I mean, God, the money they must have made off those sponge fingers. The... There's fucking foam hands everywhere. <laughs> sponge
1: fingers, fucking hell. Uh, foam hands, like, um, I. I got... had a Wembley foam hand, you know, from one of the Newcastle games I went to down there. Oh. They were just a big thing in Wembley.
0: I'm gu- I almost guarantee that, like, whoever makes merch for Wembley must have just, Used all the foam hands they had left just to print some of some '92 logo on them or something. Quite um, likely,
1: I had a white one with black text text on for various Newcastle events. I actually went to quite a fucking lot of Newcastle events here, which never ended well, any of them. <laughs> but um, it's weird seeing the footage of them going up Wembley Way because it's just a fucking mecca for yeah. a British sports fan. And for me, the first time I went to Wembley was in 96, so obviously after this. It was in August when we had the Charity Shield game against Man United, and Keegan was still there. I think it was his last season. And um would just sign Shearer, and I remember being full of optimism and was playing Man United in the Charity Shield and getting beat fucking, falling out, and it fucking pissing down, the buses being too full and not being allowed to get on. And naturally, because you're playing Man United, you were just bomb. Barded with obnoxious cockneys In their 40s With Man United shirts on But like they just said Nasty shit to us all the time I remember my mom Nearly getting in a fucking fight With someone Being like He's fucking nine year old Why are you trying to start A fucking fight with this kid I'm Just it's like Aye that, that was our experience but yeah Two years after we were there for the FA Cup final against Arsenal, and I thought, oh, maybe that was just a one off. No, we got beat fucking two now. So that was absolutely shite <laughs> as well. That was on my Dalglish. I remember that Arsenal fans were lovely to us, they were just miserable as shit. Because I remember on us going on the way out when we had the queue for ages and we had to watch them get the trophy presented and that, and they wouldn't let out. But everybody just singing to them, cheer up if you've won the cup, cheer <laughs> up. Because they were all miserable as shit. And we were up here raving away. I was back the year after the, the revenge things when we got beat 2-0 by Manure again. Sorry, Man United again. <laughs> it's just a fucking miserable time. That was rude all And I was oh... The year after that was the final year of Wembley. We got to 2000. And in April, I was there for the semifinal because football fans among us, you'll probably know the semifinal, you played a neutral ground. But because it was the last time Wembley was going to have an FA Cup final there, the semifinals were there and we actually scored. Finally, <laughs> after having seen us concede eight goals and not score. At fucking Wembley I saw a score at Wembley And we sadly lost 2-1 to Chelsea Because of Gus Poyett Who went on to manage Sunderland as well It's all just bad, bad, bad memories I remember being outside And people were all pissing down the stairs Everyone was pissing No one would go to the toilets Everyone was just pissing (laughs) everywhere And I was outside And people were going Son, you'll be fucking glad When they knock the cunt down Fucking, I'll drive the bulldozer myself So I, fuck Wembley But sorry, back to nostalgia Yes
0: Wembley in the early 90s well, Funnily enough I, The only time I ever Got a chance to go to Wembley it was, it was Somewhere else I had to go But Wembley Stadium Was in the process Of being knocked down At this point and, But I went down Wembley Way And got me picture Taken in front of it But it's in front of A fucking building site <laughs> I don't know if I ever showed you that It was the one time in my life that I ever gelled my hair up (laughs) Oh man, I need to see this Because I met Burt Reynolds that day So I was just like Holy shit I'm going to look smart for Burt Reynolds (laughs) Why were you meeting Burt Reynolds? Well it was a convention thing. Never been to a convention before, and it, just to show you how little WWE wrestlers, sorry, or WWE wrestlers or any fucking wrestlers came to the UK around that time for personal appearances. I travelled all the way down to meet Rob Van Dam, uh, yeah. but look, but me mate wanted to go to meet.
1: So this is in two thousand as well. This is two thousand four. Fucking... No, no, two
0: thousand
1: four. Oh, hey, I'm sure it was already knocked Nocturne by then, wasn't it? Um, oh, they're rebuilding Wembley. When oh,
0: yeah, there. they were rebuilding. It wasn't in the middle yeah, of knocking this, down. It was in the middle. Ah, this is so. the Millennium
1: Stadium era when I went and watched us get beat four-one by Man United <laughs> in Cardiff instead.
0: Well, um, yeah, Bert, Bert <laughs> Reynolds was there, and uh, I was outside, and Shane Ritchie had not been booked for this, but because it's London, a drunk, very sort of you know regretful of the night before, Shane Ritchie walked past and looked did at a run in. Well, <laughs> he he walked past, and we were like, do we? randomly go up to him and he just looked at us like please don't ask me any questions or come up to us at all so we didn't we left him alone whatever the answer was was
1: baby <laughs> i'm your man when shane ritchie wanted to prove not only can he not act but he also can't sing either
0: oh what what are you got against shane ritchie
1: it's all right uh, yeah. he tried to do a fucking country career
0: Okay, that'll do At one it. Point right,
1: He okay. tried to relaunch and he uh, he recorded a fucking dire cover of Heartache on the Dance Floor by <laughs> John Party. And yeah, fuck you, Shane Richie.
0: Was this quiff era Shane Richie? Oh, this was only a uh, couple of years ago. Oh, was it? Oh wow, okay. Because I remember the first time I saw it. He this claimed to gone-
1: love country music, but anyone
0: who has listened to his song knows he doesn't. This is going well off topic now. I think we should drag it back, <laughs> even <laughs> even for us. Like, this is going well off topic. So, yes. Anyway, so it's <laughs> 92. Um, it was originally meant to be at the Capital Centre in Washington, D.C., where such events like Survivor Series 95 have been held. So they decided to okay. go <laughs> to Wembley Stadium because they're fucking huge over here and they're not over there. And there was the height of the steroid scandal and the pedo scandal and all that kind of stuff. So main event was meant to be – well, not main event, sorry. The Interconnell title match was meant to be Brett against Michaels in the ladder match, which they had been uh, – pissing around with on the house shows for a bit um we're doing ladder matches on the house shows yeah uh brett suggested it brought it to wwf and uh there's one house show well not house show j- like a dark match ladder match on the the vhs tape smack em, whack em, uh, and whack them and yeah i know i know uh, sounds so,
1: a lot like a board game
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were going to do the summer some night too but because, again, of the popularity of WWF in the UK, they were like, well, let's go to Wembley Stadium, which, I mean, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it as big as possible. And Brett got wind of it and said, well, why don't I lose the belt to Davy instead? And then Davy can lose it to Michaels later on. So that's basically what happened. But they did mention that the, very early on that they were going to be in Washington, D.C. on WWF television. So this was a very quick move. And I'm really actually genuinely surprised that Wembley was available to you know, just to allow WBF to come over. But uh Me too in August.
1: This is not long before the charity shield. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh it's prime time for gigs. It really is. I mean, just a couple of months before that, huge Queen fan, they did the Freddie Mercury Tribute concert there, which was broadcast worldwide. Tremendous gig. It was uh yeah, so much going on in Wembley Stadium in ninety two, and uh including my a band that I love that no one has fucking heard of Jellyfish, they supported in excess at Wembley Stadium in ninety two. I fucking love NXS. Mm-hmm. So they moved to Wembley and the promotional campaign started and everything went huge. Harvey Goldsmith got involved and uh, that whole family, because they're like the biggest promoters. You always see them on like concert DVDs mm-hmm. or on gig mm-hmm. tickets and stuff like that. And he, or- he organized Live Aid over here as well, booked all the bands and off to the races they went basically
1: what i love at the start of this video when they're showing the setup to them going to wembley Mm -hmm. is just seeing the fans and seeing the merch and there's a real heartwarming vibe as a uk fan of wrestling seeing wrestling fans who are children in the era where we were kids watching wrestling
0: yeah, I, I do love that they get a shot of the policeman uh, policeman and woman at the start. And they're just having a laugh with the fans. They're just like, yeah, this there's going to be no fucking riots today. <laughs> Hi, this isn't, this isn't exactly a football final, is it? <laughs> Unless Bulldog loses, I think there's going to be no riots. <laughs> Hi, true.
1: This is one of the few events, because Brett's beloved over here, where you see Brett Hart come out and get zero fucking response, isn't it?
0: I don't know, I don't know about zero. I think you did okay, but you're fine. Sorry, about, about about one. About one. <laughs> well, he said on the DVD years later, he was just like, oh yeah, I saw one kid with uh, my Bret Hart t-shirt on. And uh, I was like, I promised to him that I would give him my sunglasses and he did. So he found that one kid in the audience. I've who- seen him
1: point a kid out, but it's very pointed. the one he can stay. So that well, makes sense because it's no... It's no fucking disrespect to Bret Hart, but every cunt in that fucking
0: stadium wanted <laughs> Davey to win, didn't they? They did. And to be honest, when you look at the fans at the start, there's more fans of LOD, Ultimate Warrior. Uh, the, the bandanas and that of LOD's belt, aren't Yeah. And I mean, no one tried to dress as Hogan. I think Hogan was already kind of out of the minds of... Wrestling fans in WWF by that point because it'd been what about four or five months and things do move quickly. Um, uh, and I mean, it, it depend on who you believe. An original, original plan was meant to be Hogan against Papa Shango at SummerSlam, and that would have been shite, mm, it wouldn't have been amazing. Um, especially because it would have been put in some kind of main event spot as well, which would have been interesting to see to say the least. But uh, we're being was...
1: my age, you know, we're being born in '86. Mm-hmm. like. I've never really seen Hogan as the guy, like yeah, until he became NWO Hogan. Like he was a fairly non-entity in WWE, and then he was a pain in the arse in WCW basically <laughs> until he turned heel. So like, as a person who was born in '86 and started watching wrestling in the early 90s. Hulk Hogan didn't become relevant for me until 1996, which I know sounds mental, but I can imagine other people in that crowd feeling the same way.
0: I totally get it. Like, getting into wrestling late 92, early 93, one of the first things I got was the sticker album, and it had Bret Hart on the front cover. Um, and Yeah, I've always thought of Bret as a much bigger deal because of my age and fandom than yeah. Hogan. And same with Randy Savage as well. Be, instantly Definitely. became a fan of Randy Savage, and, you know, partly because... he you know, colourful outfits and you're six years old and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I like the song off the WrestleMania of album. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. Um, <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> so, so the, the start of the, of the official start of the pay-per-view of Summerslam 92, I mean, is legendary in itself because it has that famous line from, who turned out to be a girl? We thought it was a boy. Uh, <laughs> that book, is clearly a girl. British book... <sighs> Is it though? I mean, is it one of those like a magic eye pictures? I thought it was a girl. I I realise
1: why you aren't as clear as I am, but I could tell that was a girl.
0: <laughs> is it? Is it because you've got a daughter? Yes, definitely. Okay, so yeah, um, so the line British Bulldog is going to win whether she, whether he wants to or not. So that implies it's the
1: American accent too. The British Bulldog's gonna win whether he wants to or not. Like, why are you speaking an American accent? This is the most cringe, excruciating moment ever. It implies. I'm sure that she, they struggle to live that down.
0: It implies that she's part of the booking team as well. That like, kind of like, if he doesn't win, like that, you'll get like probably demoted down the card. or something. like, <laughs> that. So,
1: like yeah. it she feels definitely... we're getting it in a WCW 2000 territory. <laughs> she definitely. <laughs> you're knows gonna win up. whether you like to or not. <laughs>
0: She definitely knows something that we don't know. And since then, people have made action figures of her. Uh, you know, That's people, amazing. People went on a whole hunt for her and found her. Like, you know, she wasn't actually hiding. It was just like I'm shocked you haven't interviewed her. I've fucking tried. But then once someone- <laughs> But then when someone else found her, I was just like, oh, fucking hell. Like, nothing sacred now. With, like, Cats
1: out of the bag. Both of their listeners have heard her now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so, yeah, no. About, um, I mean, I will get that opportunity, yet, I'm sure. But, like, again, what else can you ask beyond the questions that she's already been asked? And I think that it's <laughs> been, already been milked to death. But uh, one thing I love is uh, there's these two girls... One of them's got a warrior face paint on. They look like they're about to beat the shit out of each other because one's like, I love model Rick Martell," <laughs> And the other one's like, fuck you, bitch. I like Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> um, And yeah, it's such a good start. But on the VHS release and on the Tag Classic, which might mean not a lot to American uh, listeners because they're not on the network. And I don't think that would... Do even- you want to give
1: them a rundown on what Tag Classics are? Because I could do with the Wii
0: anyway. Well, very quickly, I mean, it's a lot of American collectors know this and were outraged at the fact that, you know, how dare they not get them. Tag Classics were basically, Silver Vision were given the footage to release videos back in the day, like throughout the history of time from like 1989 or something like that. And they just never gave the master footage back to WWF. So they had the brainwave of, because there was a lot of demand for it, let's release these on dvd in sets of two and wwe eventually were like oh what's this and it was just like well i'm just making you loads of money and they were like okay fine so that's basically what happened and uh the summer summer 92 tag classic is interesting because not only did the video have two bonus matches which would eventually be aired on primetime wrestling in 1992 like months after the event uh Oh no, you
1: stopped. Is this a bit where I was supposed to talk? (laughs) I I, sorry, I went for that (laughs) week.
0: Did you? Did you actually go for a week? You fucking actually
1: went for that (laughs) week.
0: You cheeky cunt! Right, okay. I hope no one else went for a wee while I did. Uh,
1: Well, I knew that you get such a constant flow that I could have a flow of my own. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: We'll we'll mention cocaine and stuff in a second. Don't worry. Like. um... (laughs) So, I'm giving a history lesson here. This is the boring bit. Apologies, um,
1: apologies. Carry on. Please, uh, please do ma- continue
0: It doesn't, to be doesn't matter now. Fuck yourself. Now I'm kidding. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, so the two dark matches at the start of the show and a, a further dark match, which was mid show, which is mental, um, eventually got shown on primetime in, in 1992, well after the SummerSlam pay per view. But, but when, were these
1: actually shown?
0: They were shown in America eventually, yeah. I did not know that. Like the yeah. first time I ever saw this was on the fucking video. So these were just part of the event. Yeah, I just oh, well, I mean, on the commentary they do say that the bonus matches, the first two matches, because they are pre the first official match on the card. Whereas the Tatanka Berserker match was actually a dark match because this was not broadcast on Sky Live either. It was uh, shown like a on little two-hour delay or something. Wasn't no, it? no, it was it was shown a couple of days after. Was um, oh, it too daily? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. so I, so they purposely cut out Tatanka and Berserk just for time it's like constraints. Watching AW on ITV, <laughs> and they purposely cut out uh, Crush versus Reebol Man so they could get the fucking football results. So there we are
1: with two of the most disgraced cunts in the history of uh, British football broadcasting: well, Richard Keys and Andy Fucking Gray.
0: What What about Ron Atkinson?
1: Big Ron. <laughs> to be fair, he's a great deal more fucking
0: disgraceful, <laughs> but he, he wasn't involved. I went on a Wikipedia rabbit hole on Ron Atkinson and I was <laughs> pissing myself laughing at some of the stuff that he was he was so shameless in his racism. Um that like to be really- fair, to, to be fair to
1: Richard Keyes and Andy Gray, before we get into Ron Atkins' hilariously <laughs> dreadful racism, they were just horribly sexist and in the pocket of the Qatari government. They How's weren't all? actually racist, so as long as we know they were just very sexist and corrupt, they can't sue us. And as long as they also know, fuck you, Andy Gray, and fuck you, Richard Keys. <laughs> Sorry, continue.
0: Well, yeah, I went on a Wikipedia. Uh, you know, you're uh, you know, you know you're in trouble when you've got a piece on your uh, Wikipedia that says like atrocities and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <know>. Colonel Gaddafi, <laughs> Ron Atkinson. <laughs> racism can we go into this because this is hilarious yeah <laughs> fuck yeah he he's the fucking Bill Watts of British football <laughs> he really is the bill Watts he looks like him as well oh God um, he does doesn't he <laughs> Atkinson resigned from ITV on twenty first of April two thousand and four after he broadcast and look I am not condoning racism I always no God no but I find people's shamelessness and unawareness and tone deafness fucking hilarious. I, for the record, we are mocking a racist. Yes, we are. <laughs> Not uh,
1: condoning racism.
0: Well, he, the one that everyone knows, he broadcasts a racial remark live on air about black Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea player, sorry, uh, Marcel uh, Desailly. It, it was Desai. Okay, oh God, see, I, I apologise. Uh, believing the microphone... Racist! Be, I know. De- <laughs> believing the microphone to be switched off. It's like a Timmy Mallet thing with us. Um <laughs> Oh, and I'm not going to say what he said, but he, he said awful things. and then um, fucking
1: dreadful things.
0: Yeah, and uh, oh, there was another one, though, much later on. Also in 2004, Atkinson said to the audience at Hillsborough Stadium, oh, my God. I mean, this is already <laughs> going downhill. It's already. You're already horrified <laughs> as a British fan, aren't you? <laughs> he said, oh, my God. The Chinese people have the best contraception in the world. Their women are so ugly. I can't understand why there are so many of them. (laughs) Jesus Christ, what a piece of shit. You said that to an audience at Hillsborough? Like, fuck me. You
1: Um, can get on the fuck you pile. Fuck you, Ron Atkinson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you all listen.
0: (laughs) But anyway, yeah, no, I just wanted to make a point that there are worse than Andy Gray, if you can imagine, (laughs) so...
1: I mean, just because one's a cunt, we don't have to find a bigger cunt to somehow rescue him from his own country. (laughs) Still, fuck Andy Gray.
0: I mean, you know, cutting off Crush versus Repo Man is certainly in the top five list of atrocities that he's ever (laughs) done. Anyway, Summers of 90. So (laughs) there are two dark matches. Uh, And and kind of how the video has been edited is weird because you get the, the the farty trumpet bit at the start. Um, and, <laughs> which would then go into the first match, which would be LOD versus Money Inc. But they don't. They cut to Vincent, Bobby Heenan, where Bobby whips the crown out and uh, he makes the the reference about the margarine commercial, which I didn't know too much about until you educated me on that. That comes later in the show, doesn't it? Well, he he whips up. No, no, it's quite early on.
1: He probably makes it earlier. I just didn't follow. Oh, no, no. He,
0: he, he does sat behind commentary, but he whips out the crown early on and he says, like, you look ridiculous or whatever. And you're the only thing royal about you is that like, you're a royal pain. Uh, see, insults were <laughs> far nicer back then. Um, yeah, I was just
1: going to say, isn't that so innocent and like pantomime?
0: <laughs> and I love that Heenan's whipped back out his red sequin jacket that he hasn't worn in a good while as well. I love um, that jacket. Special occasions, man. Uh, so on the video, it cuts to from that to the first dark match, whereas on the event, obviously, it goes from there straight into the the real first match. But the first dark match, the Bushwhackers and Hacksaw Jim Duggan against the Nasty Boys and the Mountie. Now, this match, it it generally gets shit on. But you know what? It's such a perfect match to open a card in front of a British audience like this. Does this genuinely get shit on? Well, yeah, because it's... you know what it's like where matches, if they're not five-star classics or whatever, they're just going to get shit on because it's just clotheslines and headbutts and stuff like that. That's not but- what it needs to be. Yeah. It's like, it, it's two teams of beloved characters
1: coming out and hyping up a crowd. Like, you watch dark matches that are to hype a crowd up and they're often, like, flat as fuck. But, like, this British massive audience, like, you're in Wembley, it's fucking party time. You see these characters that you love with their own
0: shtick and you fucking get into it. I think it's a class opener. Yeah, and and for a country that loves stuff like pantomime and loves, you know, uh, well, I don't know as a whole country, but like holiday camp wrestling and stuff like that, it is. It's it really is just stuff for the family. And it really is the most British style match in terms of like sort of, you know, it's not exactly comedy, but it's lighthearted and all that kind of thing. It just, it suits the audience perfectly. This would have died in like in front of an American audience, as Bushwhacker matches sadly have in the past. Bushwhackers have fun. Well, I, so, I, I it can be. I don't that, get why they die. It could be said that they go on too long, and there's just not enough heat on the heels and stuff. Like I'm looking specifically at things like Bushwhackers, Beverly Brothers at Royal Rumble '92. It's like 20 minutes, and the crowd just aren't mm-hmm. into it. And, you know,
1: maybe because I'm English, I I like that stuff. It's the same reason why. In the modern day, I get excited for, like, Johnny Swinger or, like, Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends and that. Like, I like to intersperse my scientific wrestling with some fun fucking family-friendly comedy. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: Like, then, ma-
1: make it a smorgasbord. I
0: agree. I agree. And uh, what I love about... And, and for all we know as well, Jim Duggan might have done a lot of media leading up to SummerSlam. I wouldn't be surprised if he did, you know, or if he didn't. That motherfucker used to pop up on everything around here. Yeah, when when we, like, over the past few years, would come to the arena, whoever did an autograph signing locally would usually get pop of the night, because that's the one the kids have all met today. Um, yeah, totally. And it would usually be, like, an undercard name. Uh, but, you know, it gets... It gets
1: Santino up. used to be good for that one. I used to take my sister to the stuff. Yeah he used to do all the sign-ins and he was fucking doing fun comedy stuff and it wasn't like the pure shite racist stuff like the fucking <laughs> you know when he had a flute for no sorry when what was it he was like a, a snake called? charmer
0: and all that kind of he, stuff
1: he had a snake yeah and the canadian lad had to pretend he was indian and pretend he was a snake charmer and charm <laughs> his hand like it wasn't any that's kind of crap like yeah. he used to do fun Slapstick comedy spots that was like English wrestling here. And my little sister I used to fucking love him. I used to be so pleased if Santino was on the card.
0: It has its place on the card. I mean, you know, no one's ever saying that it should be in the main event or anything like that, but like it definitely has its place on the card, as like you say, world sport, like someone like Cat Weasel, like the kind Cat of Cat spot- Weasel is a class example, yeah. Um, and you know what what you could say about this is it's a very choreographed match. But it, you know, it's simple spots that they've probably taken all the way around the fucking world, and but this is the first time the Wembley arena have or the Wembley crowd have seen it, and the crowd went to it because they have signature moves. The thing is, if Jim Duggan's signature move wasn't a clothesline, people would be like, oh, not another fucking clothesline. <laughs> You know what I mean? But like <laughs> yeah, people yeah. want to see Jim Duggan do a clothesline and throw punches and see the bushwhackers do headbutts. and you know that if that... I saw the three-point stance or the battering ram, I'd pop like fuck. It
1: doesn't matter, <laughs> even even if I wasn't there with the kids, just yeah. like having a few pints and a smoke ready for the first match. If I seen a fucking battering and ram and the three-point stance, like I can enjoy comedy as a grown-ass man, you know what yeah. I mean?
0: And and it's the the heel there's such a obvious uh you know uh separation between the heels and faces on this you know who the heels are they're playing up to the crowd it is pantomime but in like the best possible sense and you get to see i mean they're so good at like selling and being heels as well that they know how to emote it to a crowd of eighty thousand people because that can't be easy if you sat in the back row and you have to try and make some kind of connection to what they're oh, doing. I. you know and
1: you're, think, you're, like, doing social club
0: wrestling in Wembley. <laughs> and I, That's I do, true. I do think that it's, like, a, a possible reason why, you know, behind some wrestlers' attire choices, make them as colourful as possible. So then even someone on the back row has something they can see. I know there's big screens there and stuff like that, but you don't go just to watch a frigging big screen oh, all fuck the way through that. Um, it's like going to download
1: and standing and miles away and watching the fucking cinema screen that like, you might as well be at home watching it on
0: Sky Arts. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, you, could, you know, because you see the nasties in the mountain, like fuck up moves and it's proper curly Larry and Mo kind of it. I think Heenan even calls Jim Duggan in the bushwacket and stuff. But it is it's free, free <laughs> stooge, it's free stooges wrestling. That's what it is, and it's everything you could want it to be. And I would you know, because <clears throat> I had to make some notes for. You know, just a little bit of research on some side. I do know a fair bit about this event, uh, which can't be said about every event that we talk about. But uh, after doing some research... Just the
1: WWF ones.
0: (laughs) Shush. Um, You know them to a fucking T. But looking at some reviews of the matches, it's just like, God, I wouldn't want to read some of these reviews where it was just like, all of it's shit apart from the world title match and the Brett versus Bulldog match. It's like, nah, fuck off.
1: You can yeah. pick you can pick holes in the matches and things that happens and especially the finishes as we'll get to, but it doesn't mean you can't get the enjoyment that's there. I mean, who would read a fucking review? Like this one other nerdy guy like me said that this isn't good. Nah, nah, don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah. And make you your know, own opinions, you've got eyes. That's true. And I know we are kind of kind of in a way reviewing it, but we're not we only- don't
1: review really. We relive. They just get called reviews
0: because that's the way of the modern world. That's true. Should we invent a new genre?
1: Yeah, we we relive per views. We don't review them. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll hide that in a fucking intro
0: for you. I've done the copyright thing with me hand, like the scene. <laughs> so That means we've definitely. Um, th- I means... thought you were a crip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, should we move on? <laughs> and, but the, Aye, but, what the fuck d- was next? D- well, remember. Dugan and the Bushwhackers win. Obviously, they're not going to have because do. <laughs> But you know what though, back then you could do this kind of thing where, you know, it it didn't matter that the Nasty Boys lost because, you know, they were probably going to turn face. I mean, as we'll find out later I agree with you.
1: You It's not even about whether they turn face. Yeah. It actually, getting beat doesn't always fucking matter. Mm -hmm. Getting buried matters, but you can lose a match. It's something I'll go into further as the show goes on. They don't all have to end in DQs and fucking like non-contests and count-outs, like you can lose and retain your star power if it's done right.
0: As, as much of a WWEF fan that I am, that is my one criticism about all of those Coliseum videos and like a lot of Saturday Night Main events that it would be DQs to either further angles or not want someone to look weak. It's just like... It just gets unwatchable. I don't think people care. Like, you know, and, and well, that's the thing. Early like to...
1: WCW does that somewhat chronic as well, mate.
0: Ah, oh, bet. Well, that's the thing, though. If you're doing a, a compilation tape of like loads of different matches, find some with clean finishes. <laughs> you can't hold people. <laughs> fucking, Definitely. You know, oh, it gets, it does, it, you know, looking back on them now, and we did do some like reviews and watch alongs of some of the old videos, and it's just the amount of DQs does wear you down. It fatigues you, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. It does. And especially as well, that like, because I've, I've think a lot of us have seen enough wwf matches now where if it's a very strong character say like papa Shango, and he's facing someone who's a contender like say british bulldog or something like that there's no way neither of them are getting pinned and you know papa is probably going to get his voodoo stick and shoot the pyro and bulldog's face and stuff like that it you know it's kind of wacky races you know what i mean like so if you know what <laughs> yeah, tricks totally they're gonna go to um but and again all for that, because that's the only time that crowd have ever seen it, but don't make a full fucking tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. I mean,
1: I, 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 to, to take it to my side of the Mason-Dixon line,
0: uh-huh.
1: it bothers me how many matches end in a time limit draw or a screwy DQ finish the same way, because no cunt wants to look weak. And it's like, in the eyes of the audience, you don't look weak. People just like who they like, and they want them to win. And then if they don't win, they're sad. You don't need bullshit. That's one of the things I'm happy about about modern wrestling outside of WWE is that people can lose and retain their star aura because promotions are less about, or maybe wrestlers are less about, protecting the ego.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And like you say, there's very much a difference between losing and being squashed. And, oh, Perfect example, and, um, the, the and other losing day. on a weekly basis as well. Because perception can become reality, but the the, the thing oh, is yeah, now, yeah. but the thing is now though, that can become someone's storyline, and it's just like I can build sympathy. It can be build sympathy, but it can also make you think, "Fuck!" Like <laughs> obviously, this poor cunts like, getting buried. Oh no, not even that. It's just like, is this what he's had me doing? You know, like just this is the storyline <laughs> now, and that happens a lot. But anyway, sorry. The thing I was going to come to was. Sorry
1: to bring it to modern day for a second, but like with AEW the other day, the elite eliminated the Dark Order and beat um, Hangman Page. And I didn't think Hangman Page looked weak at all, getting pinned clean by Kenny Omega and not being allowed to headline all out. That made me feel sympathetic for Hangman and be like, fucking when can you rebuild to get your chance? You had this great match where there was a really emotional entrance that paid homage to fucking Brody and to Canadian Stampede was the way you came down. And you still came just short because of, like, bullshit and chicanery. Like, I want to see you fight your way to the top again. And he was pinned clean. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, there, there's an art to it. And uh, but I do also think that it can be overthought sometimes by oh, both definitely. fans and by wrestlers. But anyway, back to Samsung some, some 18. Um but Sorry you know, about the, that. but all of that we got all of that off the of Jim Duggan Bushwhackers match, so you know I think it was worth delving into because you know it wasn't it's a just, good match. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it it doesn't have to be about how many fucking triple flips and Canadian destroyers and shit. It's about story and emotional response. No matter what, no matter what you do, whether it's a death match, whether it's fucking really traditional, it's like a Zack Sabre Jr. match, or whether it's fucking flippy-do Mexican shit, I want a fucking story, and I want to be sold it, and I want to care about it, and that's it. Preach. We should put men behind... Yeah.
0: Ahmed. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson. What? No, no, I don't want him. Okay. Um so- <laughs> It applies to everything you said, bar talking about Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed. The second dark match is uh, Papashango against Tito Santana, uh, a.k.a. El Matador. Now, this has nothing behind mm. it. And, and the thing is, I'm actually mm. surprised because this is the height of Papashango in terms of, you know, he's cursing the ultimate warrior. Like, he puts a curse on Bret Hart. Um, is this during the pukey phase? During the puke, I think puke warrior comes probably slightly after this, um, doesn't it? Right, okay. but th- there's already something going on there, like a, an underlying storyline. And Papishango did put a curse on Bret Hart as well to lose the intercontinental belt, and he did. Whether it obviously th- they're connected or not is one thing or another, but like Papishango start started taking credit for it and everything. And um, I'm just surprised that such a hot character at this point is on a dark match. Um, that is a shock, too. Yeah, and okay, yes, he beats El Matador, and just to show you how little, you know, the run they have with Papashango, the next time they face each other on some kind of pay per view is on a dark match for WrestleMania Nine, and El Matador actually gets the win. So they've given up on Papishango by this point. Um, really? Yeah, and that match. I, I, I don't like the Papa
1: Shango character at all. It's nothing against Charles Wright. Uh, I like Charles Wright. I just don't fucking like that character. But I thought they were quite hot on him. I have to add that I don't like fucking Tito Santana having (laughs) to be a matador since he's fucking Mexican and he's not even Spanish. And then he's in like weird Portuguese colours and that. And it's just a general mess of, you're not white, do vaguely Hispanic shit.
0: Well, I honestly think part of the reason part of the reason I think they brought him is because anyone who was long standing with the company, I think it was just hopefully a good payoff for them. Although I have read that... Is that
1: like the sheer disgraceful racial abuse that Tony Atlas goes through?
0: Uh, yeah, two apart. I mean, but I think... What what ridiculous
1: fucking African character does he become? Oh, Saba Simba. <laughs> yeah, fuck that.
0: And, and sadly, yeah, genuinely, there was going to be a battle for Africa with him against Akim.
1: Chose... I was fucking glad that didn't happen. One man gun versus Tony Atlas is a great mid south match. Uh-huh. Here we can do it with badness and racism.
0: <laughs> well, um, yeah, Patricio against Tito Santana. Vince makes the comment that he's entering the biggest bull ring in the world. Um, which you know, you know whatever. It's a good visual, I guess. I <laughs> don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Papa Shango, though,
1: I've seen many ball fights
0: in Wembley Stadium. <laughs> Papa Shango, uh, the character doesn't work quite as well when he's coming out in bright daylight, I don't think. Um, for England, <laughs> he gets no reaction, I've got to say. He's not really a, a heel character designed to like antagonize a crowd, so there's like no particular reason to hate him. I don't think... I didn't even really realise he's a
1: heel, apart from him being up against, like, Ultimate Warrior and his big feud, like, he's a voodoo witch doctor.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could be a face, but he never used any of his voodoo powers for good. He just just used them to... I don't know, he stopped knowing homophobe and racist Ultimate Warrior. (laughs) (laughs) And he helped our boy British Bulldog win the Uncommon Belt, so... Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And Tito Santana kills bulls for a living, so fuck Tito Santana. So fuck that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck this match. Fuck this pay-per-view. Let's go to the pub. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I've got to say, there's nothing hugely memorable about this match, and I'm not slagging it off. There's just nothing (laughs) hugely memorable about it, except that, you know, uh, Bobby Heenan points out that Tito Santana's hat would look good as a rug for Gene Oakland's head. And... uh, and that's basically it. When that's a, when that's your highlight, there's uh, not much going on. Says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> I, would, I would like to say, I think this may be the debut of Tito Santana's new ring gear, because he wears black on this instead of green. Oh, well, at least he's not in the dodgy Portuguese <laughs> colour stuff. <story. laughs> well, when he faced uh, Papa Shango the second time round, he changed to a gold colour, which did not work. Oh, dear. It, it looked yellow. Uh, it wasn't good. But um, this... Match unlike I guess this is the match to settle the crowd down, <laughs> maybe you don't settle the crowd down on dark matches, dear God. Yeah. They were behind Tito, you know what I mean. But this is, you know, I don't know. It, it's just it is what it is. It's a five minute thing, and but the thing is, I was left off the video. I was gonna say, well, I mean, there's also the the. Uh, the thought process that maybe they didn't know what the dark matches were going to be until they watched it back and they were like, right, we'll cut that, that and that. And they are just now, <laughs> they are just now the dark matches. <laughs> that's a good point. Fuck this one. This one's dark. <laughs> and it did get shown on, like I say, on primetime much later on, maybe with different commentary. Who knows? Because uh, that's oh, the good thing. Good Stanley. Stan Lane. But one thing that you know goes to my point is that Vince and Bobby Heenan do actually do live commentary on these, so they were intended maybe for broadcast, and that may have even been a Sky Sports thing. Uh, to say that look, you're only getting this length of time, uh, so you know, you may have to pick and choose what's best, pick and choose what's best, and uh, you know, I think the.
1: And somehow Nails Virgil ended up on the show and this didn't.
0: Well, one thing as well is I think I would imagine that those who were cut from the pay-per-view probably didn't get a pay-per-view payoff. They probably only got sales from the video, I'd imagine. Poor bastards fly all the way out to fucking London (laughs) to do a shit match and
1: then not get paid. That's
0: rubbish. (laughs) Well, no, I think they got paid. (laughs) They They better got got fucking paid. They might have got a percentage of the gate, but I don't think they would have got like a pay-per-view. I think and to be fair, Hogan wasn't there to soak up the gate percentage as well. So that
1: must have been nice.
0: That (laughs) That is true, unless you believe his uh, song Hulkamaniac on his album where he was like, Hulk Hogan wrestled at Wembley Stadium for a kid who was dying of cancer.
1: Especially this. Well, the funny thing about that song is it comes after this event and he sings it as as if it's coming up. (laughs) I never know if that's like one of our shows where we recorded a week earlier and Hogan just happened to record this song like four years earlier and it was so shit that it got released then. So I don't know if that was the logic behind it or, Uh, you know. When I wrestle it, believe, oh, I might put that on at the end of this show, that song. Because if they want to sue us for copyright, good <coughs> luck. Because you have to own up that you made that fucking song.
0: <laughs> when the hulkster goes to heaven,
1: heaven, hulkster in heaven.
0: I want that played at my funeral, like. Um... I would make it so if it's not
1: for the fact I would have already been dead for 20 years by
0: the time this happens. Well, look, if, Well, if whoever dies first, I'll sing Perfect Friend from the Randy Savage album. Um, oh, you
1: better. Because <laughs> I sing... actually will die first, so there if, you go.
0: <laughs> if I die first, you've got to sing in Heaven. So.
1: Except I'll troll you because I'll get there and go, I want to be a maniac until you jump out the fucking ground and go, I'm not even <laughs>
0: <coughs> oh god. Um, right. If it was me and I was in charge of Silver Vision and WWF and all that, um, I would have put the Farty Trumpets in the correct order and made the dark <laughs> matches actual fucking dark matches because it just takes away from the fact that Money Inc. against LOD actually start the pit. They do a screen wipe straight into Money Inc. against LOD, which actually did open the show. Um and the crowd are up for mm, this. This like- is
1: the appropriate place to fart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, if, if you uh, we found a, an article that Sky Sports put out or Sky put out about people who went to summersum 92 about 30 years later, and a lot of the things people remember are LOD from this. It can't be understood. I was
1: fucking so into L- LOD, mate. Like, yeah. They were the road warriors and they were on the tapes, the WCW tapes I was seeing. They were on this shit as well. And I remember, ma'am, I'm sure you're listening to this. My fucking childhood pal, Bruce Keane, he had a lunchbox of the Legion of Doom (laughs) with them on with the spiky fucking shoulder pads. And it had a free Legion of Doom water bottle that came with it. Fuck me. I love that. And I wanted that.
0: (laughs) Hello, Mrs. Huggins Cooper. How are you doing?
1: Oh, using shoot names now. <laughs> Conservation club, peeling back the curtain. Conservation no club for, for the life. Business. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Conservation club for life. That's going in the fucking <laughs> intro. That.
0: Um, so a little bit of backstory behind this, because if you look at the video cover, Money Inc are seen holding the tag belts, which implies that this was going to be a tag title match. Now. Lod or Hawk had had his problems, so they lose to Money Incorporated on in a Phantom match. Match never happened, and then uh, Money Inc ended up losing to the Natural Disasters. And
1: uh, I hope that meant they wrestled the Phantom, <laughs> Black Scorpion. Oh. <laughs> Imagine that tag team.
0: <laughs> um, so, Battle of the Ricks, the R and R. The, the, I have a feeling that this was probably going to be for the tag team titles at one point in their planning. And What a uh, title match that would have been. Well, it, it, something else that goes towards that as well is that Animal in his book. One thing I love about Animal's biography is he talks so much about the effort they put into their ring gear and the thought behind it and everything. And I love that kind of shit. And if you notice, they come out wearing gold tights and gold uh shoulder pads and there is a photo shoot of them wearing that stuff with the obviously the gold the wf tag team titles but they never ever came out on on TV wearing the the belt with that gear because hawk was no, already um hawk was already out for a little bit by that point and uh yeah this is cool. why that gold attire was made uh they wore the tights at WrestleMania 8 didn't wrestle and then wore the shoulder pads at SummerSlam 92 and uh animal also because they come down on the motorbikes which is fucking great but this fucking is... belt the proper harleys as well you see the guy lose
1: his shit there's a <laughs> fucking grown lad in full road warrior gear with a mullet and he stood up fucking losing his shit to see them and yeah. I was like yes brother you are living your best
0: life there's also one lad who's homemade some uh, shoulder pads with like toilet roll tubes in <laughs>
1: This Jeez. is the same guy I mean, just you're mocking him and I'm loving him. All oh, right. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, that's it. He's
1: living some white trash fucking paradise there. He's a the Adelaide.
0: Well, in terms of uh, ring gear as well, because again, I love all the shit and this will be the nerdy part of the show. Uh, this is the first time DBRC comes just out. Just this part. Shush, shush. Uh, this is the first time DBRC comes out in that white suit and uh, wears the white duds underneath as well which i did I mean, find that odd you know i mean if you sh- it's not the attire to shit yourself in <laughs> does he shit himself at this event well uh, he doesn't i mean again you can tell i mean he may have shit himself, <laughs> though, though, you know um you so his oddly face to would be so white It was quite odd but again i think it goes to the whole you've got to be visual and and some of some is a big deal so now's the time to break out the new year i guess um, mm,
1: it's bright, wearing white, in the bright ass sunlight. I guess mm-hmm. makes you look more I'm tanned when it straws well. now. Makes you look more tanned. <laughs> yeah,
0: true, it does. Yeah. Um, so LOD come out on the bikes, and this will have been, I'd imagine, a lot of people's first exposure to Rocco. <laughs> um, this was
1: my first exposure to fucking WWE generally, and like seeing the sun setting and them riding those bikes out and hearing the water. Stuff just gives me fucking goosebumps, even now. But it yeah, is. Rocco kind of ruins it a bit.
0: Oh, I don't even know if Rocco can ruin this entrance. Um He tries, but I don't think he... Yeah, don't the don't only bit it ruins could. is
1: when fucking, when Rocco speaks. And he's going, loud D, Ah loud. I'm like, take the goosebumps, dummy, and put him in the fucking bin. <laughs> we don't need this shit. Let's just have the fucking road warriors. Come on.
0: Yeah, it wasn't needed. Um, and, and funnily enough, they made a don't figure do you think it's
1: Rock- the Goosebump dummy dressed up for Hogwild?
0: <laughs> they made an action figure of Rocco last year as well. So never let it be said that. I hope that. that was
1: one of those things where it's like, if you buy all 12 of these dolls, you get all 12 parts to make Rocco and no one will ever do it.
0: No, well, that's the thing. It's like, oh, we don't think this Paul Ellering figure is enough of an incentive. <laughs> <laughs> Paul <laughs> Ellering's great. And he was a builder figure as well. And we've talked about this where, like, a lot of wrestlers mm. who had builder figures were really offended, like JJ Dillon and Jim Ross what and Danny Davis. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I've got to say that the Paul Ellering figure was originally going to be current Paul Ellering with an Office of Pain set because um, he managed them for a little bit. And then he got. Oh, like yeah, go I on.
1: actually saw that. Well, well he, he got well, like. his Baldy Evil
0: Paul Ellering. Yeah, yeah. So, but he got let go, and then they found a way to get him out there, anyway. So I'm glad they did. Don't get us wrong, but I, you know, the, I mean, the fact they made a with figure, I fucking love it. But don't get us wrong, it's not exactly front and center on me, you know, display of <laughs> toys, um, which is not the manliest thing I've ever said. But I don't care. Um, so, <clears throat> LOD come to the ring, and uh, Animal gets his tights stuck in the muffler on the motorbike because it's so hot. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, they cut away. And it takes a long time for him to and it apparently burns his leg and everything. And uh oh, you would. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> luckily he gets through it. But uh there's a lot Fucking of hell. Yeah, the, I don't know if you noticed this uh watching it recently, but the stories are out there that Hawk was not in the best frame of mind uh for this for this show.
1: I had a feeling he wasn't, but like just give him the benefit of the doubt. I know the poor lad had his troubles.
0: You did, and we're not like mocking you all. We're just giving a bit of context. No, fuck that. that. This is not that
1: podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of them that shit on people with drug and alcohol problems, and I
0: don't want to be one of them. Well, there are points in the match where you can tell that he's not not himself. And it, I think a part of what speaks to that is, I mean, DVRC had a bad neck anyway, but none of them were willing to take that doomsday device. <laughs> I
1: did notice there was no fucking doomsday device at the end. And didn't someone get a horrible injury in, like, 97 or 98 like that one? It was Henry wasn't... Godwin?
0: Yeah. It broke was Godwin, him. yeah. That's right. He broke his fucking neck, didn't he? Oh, yeah. DBRC and IRS, they're too big to be taking those bumps, to be honest. Jimmy oh, Hart right, right. maybe could have, and I think he would have been up for it. He would have probably broken his arm or something, but I think he would have... He would, he would have taken the bump But do
1: you trust Imagine him? that being pitched to you Don't worry, you're small You might just break your arm instead Won't be your neck, hopefully
0: It was obvious And the, the the story that came off from that Was Animal returned to America without Hawk And Hawk joined the Hells Angels The London chapter of the Hells Angels And uh, stayed he would
1: never come back if he did
0: <laughs> he Stayed in the UK for a bit So Animal saw out the rest of uh, the WWF appearances teaming with Crush for a bit um, as a you know, replacement tag team partner, and that was kind of the end of LOD until '96 in WCW. And Hawk comes back looking great, and um, that WCW didn't, run didn't Hawk go and team with Power Warrior in New Japan? He did, he did. And I'm assuming Animal, I've got uh, I've got a great... I know that
1: offended Animal a lot, but I've got to say, Hawk and Power Warrior is <laughs> a lot more attractive to me than. Animal and Crush. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I get that. No, that's fair enough. But um, yeah, I've got this great indie show. I'm going to have to dig it out. It's on the end of a Terry Funk shoot interview where it's Terry Funk against Hawk. And could you imagine two fucking looser cannons on an indie show? <laughs> like it's...
1: <laughs> Terry Lord Funk's above. It.
0: This is like 93 and Terry Funk's just chucking the chairs and Hawk's having a laugh and yeah. There's... um. <laughs> Sounds it, fucking unreal. Oh, it's wonderful. There's, um, uh, I wish I could remember his name, but the, um, it was at like a Butland show. I saw an imposter hawk who wrestled for a long time. Uh, he might have just been called Road Warrior. And there's an episode of uh, Bike Grove where they go to a wrestling show and they've got imposter hawk <laughs> in the ring.
1: I know what one you mean. <laughs> oh brilliant we so, need a yeah. fucking link to that on one of these shows <laughs> it let's is. fucking interview imposter hawk
0: <laughs> what would he be called like I don't know Kestrel Kestrel no I was thinking that there's got to be a better pun for that but see, that's the thing we don't have some Red Shite <laughs> <laughs> okay right brilliant we've peaked
1: <laughs> Can I just say on this match like yeah, Really enjoyed this match. It was a lot of fun. The hot tags were, were really fucking hot. You know, the bit like where Animal gets tagged in and he's wamping on them both, doing the double close lines and that. There is a bit I wanted to draw attention to in this. In fact, there were two bits. There was one bit just for being really impressive. And there was one bit that was just because it was fun.
0: Hmm.
1: The uh, the impressive bit was when IRS like, enters bullet time, like he's Max Payne. And there's a top rope clothesline coming from Hawk And he has fucking preempted it so much (laughs) Like, even though you know wrestling's predetermined Like, if you believed for a minute it wasn't there Fuck me, IRS seems psychic Because that clothesline comes and he just does this Drop and spin to the ground Where he like stop ducks and rolls To avoid the clothesline And I thought it was fucking mint I've never seen anyone do that before Now I don't know if it's just because a hawk was out of it And he was going to clobber him And he's like fuck And he just dropped out of the way But it was fucking incredible And the other part I really enjoyed was You talked earlier about some of the Like quote unquote buttons-y spots Yeah There is a really fun part where Di like flees the ring and he runs around and then he catches a clothesline off Animal and he tries to escape the other way and he gets body slammed. And I just thought that stuff is good fun. That is a great way to wind up a British crowd.
0: Yeah, it is. They were were so into this match and, you know, Animal talks about this match so, um, you know, with such pride. And it could, you know how wrestlers are with like over-exaggerating stories and stuff like that saying that you may have got the pop of the night, but it's hard to argue. I think they did. Yeah. Well, except Bulldog winning. Except
1: Bulldog winning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I count that as an echelon of its own. The only downside really, and it's a fucking frequent downside, and it was a downside even before this match started, so much royal family crack. (laughs) <laughs> like, that'll come on later. Never like, i your ass is promos like, pay your taxes so you're not a burden on the royal family. I'm like, mate, if somehow I've subverted some of my taxes, the fucking royal family don't pick up the slack. Like, <laughs> this show is obsessed with royalty. The only thing WWF know about Britain is that there is a monarchy. They don't even realise that we have, like, a fucking Prime Minister in a the Parliament. They seem to think that we're owned by some mad fucking monarch, and it's incredibly annoying through the night how much royal bullshit comes out, and they still do that to modern day. It's like, if you're in England, you must talk exclusively about the Royalty, Mary Poppins, or the fucking
0: Beatles, and, like, I hear all of these things. Yeah, when uh, Channel 4 used to show heat, they always talked about Man United. That was the mm. only, that was the only football. Speaking season. of other things from London that I fucking hate. <laughs> so we go from there to a uh, Ric Flair interview, and Flair's just top form with this because uh, the the storyline leading to uh, the Warrior Savage match was going to be which side is Mister Perfect on, who paid for his services? In Flair is just completely, uh, you know. What's the word? Sort of like secretive and just, you know, not prepared. He has his
1: most demure, beautiful purple,
0: sparkly <laughs> sequin peacock robe. God damn it, I love you, Rick. Well, uh, Gene Oakland, though, he's like, What are you doing in your ring in, He's like, Anybody that, and he's waving his hands about as well. He's so, he's gesticulating and everything. It's just peak flair. Like anybody who knows anything about Rick Flair knows that he's ready for any kind of action. Woo!
1: <laughs> two things I wanted to ask you. Uh-huh. One, Did any of that audience know the things about Ric Flair that, like, we know? Or is he speaking to a dead audience who don't know? And two, were these promos played live to the crowd? Because you don't get that thing you get in the Russo era where you hear crowd reaction. Ric Flair plays a few, like, I don't want to say cheap pops, but he plays some local pops about England and about Wembley, and there's an out.
0: These won't have been played live because if you noticed on the next match, Nails is already in the ring um, and it's to take up the fact that it's going to be two minutes of Nails walking very slowly to the ring with no music.
1: <laughs> Boy, Rick's, Rick's fucking out of touch there because he's doing fun spots like when he's still in WCW, like it's going to be live to the crowd <laughs> and he's like making cheap pops and no one's going to hear it.
0: That's just Rick, isn't it? Like, and I think it's just more to wind up Gino. Him and Gene Oakland are just give me an hour every week of flaring Gene Gino oh, on telly. Fuck yes.
1: Fuck yes. Those <laughs>
0: two together in 98. Is there anything better? Is that, well, except when Piper shows up. <laughs> Which there was <laughs> there wasn't enough of that on uh, Nightmare during the time, but uh, yeah, Flair not giving away which side Mister Perfect's going to be on. Jeans disgusted by. I it. love that you know <laughs> when he's holding back and he's doing the well,
1: <laughs> and he's so fucking sleazy with his laughter and backing off. It Rick plays this to perfection.
0: Yeah, and it's just like everybody wants to know where's Mister Perfect. You say, like, "Well, he's in the locker room. Which locker room? The locker room of the well, room. he's <laughs> 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 he's fucking cloth I loved it. <laughs> My hero, reflect. So interestingly, on the well, or or not interestingly, but they still bang on, on
1: about fucking Churchill though. They do. <laughs> <laughs> The only other thing they know apart from fucking royalty is they have to bring up Churchill. My God, there's more to England
0: than Churchill, the the royal family and fucking Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, if you notice on the the Thai Classic, um, they leave Ric Flair's full interview on, which they cut off on the video. There's an extra woo at the end that they cut off. I don't know why, but they do do that, and then it cuts to woo too many. (laughs) <laughs> then it goes to um, Vince and Bobby Heenan talking about something. I can't remember what. But the, you miss all that out on the video release, but it's left in on the Tag oh. Classic, which is very they, rare. That don't would... cut to Vince on the thing I saw. Well, there you go. Uh, not to Vince on camera, but like just an extra bit of dialogue uh, before the uh, cut to nails. It, it's kind I don't of think
1: like... that happens on the uh, on the network version, you know. That's Because I had the Tag Classic, but I haven't seen it for fucking <clears throat> years because... I sell it for beer money. <laughs> but uh yeah, on this one, you get that vignette and then you get straight into a meat sauce Mike vignette.
0: Oh, yes. There's the Virgil interview. I did right. forget and about And he's that.
1: got snot fucking pouring out of both nostrils. And I was like, <laughs> motherfucker, at least wipe your nose. I know a toot gets your nostrils pouring out, like, but how are you, man? Have a little more subtlety, though I did love the continuity. That he makes a fucking MC Hammer pun before he goes and faces nails.
0: Yeah, too legit
1: to quit. <laughs> too legit to quit was Hammer's album at the time, and then he's facing nails. I don't know looks, if that was intentional or not, but that was fucking hilarious.
0: Sean Mooney looked very confused by the whole situation. I think, like, I think he's... Sean
1: Mooney should. Sean Mooney should always look confused. He's like, "Hi, I'm a." Handsome Kendall with nothing to offer. Back to you.
0: <laughs> when Sean Mooney feels like he's lowering himself to interview a face wrestler. You know that you're pretty low down on the totem pole. Face I wrestling.
1: always know I'm lowering myself to watch Sean Mooney.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: well, after. There are a few people I would less rather watch as a pundit pre-Michael Coley era obviously because they nearly all suck after that but like <laughs> there are a few pundits I would rather watch less than Sean Mooney <laughs> hi I don't have anything to say and I'm quite boring but this was handsome back to you <laughs>
0: I don't think he even throws it back to the ring as well, which is the thing that annoys me most on modern wrestling currently. Uh, oh, mate. Yes, why do they stare off into
1: the distance winsomely and it like, starts to zoom out like you're about to hear the start of Old Shep or something like that? <laughs> I'm like, just fucking tell them you're going back. It's like the news, back to you in the studio, back to yeah. you in the ring. Fucking don't just look off winsomely in the distance, fuck off.
0: And also take Sean Mooney while you fuck off <laughs> and fuck off a bit further. Well, this is when we cut to Vincent Heenan and they same a couple of extra lines that I cut out on video. So, yeah, I, I, it's an indictment on Virgil when I re- forget his entire promo, to be fair. So, we're, Virgil Nails... would uh, be an improvement. We, <laughs> <laughs> Virgil Nails is arguably one of... And I know this is going to sound mental, but one of the more important matches on the card uh, for reasons... Historically, we'll into- yes. Yes. In um, terms of,
1: from a viewer's point, the stinker of the night.
0: Well the, the do you think well okay I'm gonna Sorry, I'm, what's worse than this? <laughs> I'm gonna try and defend this. Okay, give us a minute. I'm gonna take a drink. Um I might go a deep for breath. a poo and come back when you <laughs> 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 So and and I'm not just saying this because I'm maybe possibly the only person in the world that has that program both signed by Nails and Virgil and have it framed on me wall. Um they could have rushed the boss man thing of Nails beat up Bossman and he's out for months. Now you would think Nails and Bossman, because that would have been a marquee match at SummerSlam. Instead, they use SummerSlam to kind of just, they're pushing Nails in 92. And, you know, Virgil's the right level of name to have him basically squash. Because Yoko squashes Virgil at Survivor Series as well. And he basically becomes, you know, just jobber fodder at this point. Um, But the Nails-Virgil match, it can't be any longer than it is. It shouldn't be, and Nails hasn't learned any wrestling moves, so all he can do is choke, punch, and kick. So it's just—it's one of those things. And people are booing Nails, not in a X Pac heat sort of way, but because—are
1: you sure that's not how they're booing him?
0: <laughs> well, he's not again. He's not out there long enough. Um, I mean, arguably, <laughs>
1: he's just lame. He's walked out with no music. Why the fuck's he in his County Orange? Like, are you meant to believe he's flown all the way across the fucking Atlantic, still in his county orange?
0: (laughs) See, I had a, um... Imagine getting two customs in a fucking prison jumpsuit. (laughs) Well, see, my thing is, I think that he got arrested for streaking, and those were the only clothes that they gave him when he got released. He was only
1: streaking because Vince McMahon tried to shag him, just ask him.
0: (laughs) Well, again, not much. Not too much can be said about this match. Nils kicks the shit out of Virgil. And then... Um, in a very ugly, unappreciative
1: on the match. <laughs> There's <laughs> the, nothing positive about watching this, well, other than the fact someone in red and white gets the fuck kicked out
0: of him. <laughs> Nils, uh, you know, he chokes Vir- Virgil and everyone thinks it's a disqualification, but he doesn't. He wins by submission, which is mental. Um, bizarre. It is it is bizarre. stupid, you might say. Nails is one of those characters that could have lost every match by disqualification and it wouldn't have killed him off because he can't wrestle. That's well, what he and should I, have been. Yeah. And and I love the subtlety. Well, I, probably not that subtle, but I love the things that they did with Nails <laughs> by like he never went through the middle ropes. He always went underneath the ropes like he's escaping from prison and the way he got patted down and stuff. I fucking love Nails. I don't the care. patted
1: down is. This is interesting, actually. This is a different layer I never thought about. And I'm glad to have you bring that to my attention. Like him rolling under the bottom rope, I never really thought about, but you've put a lot of thought into that. But like him getting patted down was like, I'm used to before a title match, both competitors get patted down. Mm. So it didn't occur to me he's getting patted down because he's getting out of jail, might have a fucking shave <laughs> in, his, uh, in, his, in his Orange Counties. But yeah, he he's just, flown here in.
0: He stands like a starfish and they do the proper up and down the legs and like he's in prison, basically. It's, it,
1: That's quite good. I never thought of that. Fucking that look Nails. I
0: don't care what he was saying. I bought a SummerSlam 92 duffel bag from Nails directly. Um, these, were give, these were leather and they very, you know, nondescript except for there's a Wembley SummerSlam 92 logo on it. And those were made by Wembley Stadium and given to everyone who worked at the event. Um, as talent, that's quite fun. Um, and Nils uh, sold his off, and you know, sadly for me, there were no like you know, no, no contraband <laughs> inside uh, when he got here. But um...
1: <laughs> not get sharpened soap or some cigarettes.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are that's a thing that you rarely see anywhere, or if ever. And I feel lucky to um, to have it. But um, so Nils gets his slip around November isn't happy with it uh, from SummerSlam because uh, he thought he was in a, r- a really important match and felt like he should To interrupt one second, sorry.
1: Yeah. So is it the November after this SummerSlam where this drama occurs?
0: Yes. Uh, well, December, I want to say.
1: Sorry, either way, it's it's like six months after this nothing happening to it happened mm-hmm. that he thinks he's due this paycheck. I just wanted
0: to be totally clear. Pretty much. And I'm actually interested to know because this has never, I don't think ever have been talked about what his paycheck would have been for Survivor Series, which would have been substantially higher because it was and more. And is than he one in Survivor Series? And that happened before
1: this drama?
0: It's the, no, no, yes, just before. And that's the blow off with Big Boss Man on pay per view. It was the Night match. And then he was going to go into a feud with The Undertaker, which I believe would have resulted in him and Taker at WrestleMania 9. But he was long gone by that point. Um, so whether he got a Survivor Series check, I'm assuming he did. Um, and he just had an action figure come out and stuff like that. So he will have been getting money from the company after he was gone. That's um, interesting. <clears throat> probably even when he showed up in WCW, he was the prisoner.
1: In, in <laughs> that did not last
0: long. <laughs> well, that was a WWF. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> move
1: um and they saved us they
0: <laughs> saved us there
1: thank so, you so much for removing nails from our broadcasting i would like to extend my heartfelt thanks to vince mcmahon for that
0: <laughs> so the nails barges in on vince and goes oh what's going on this is the Jordy abridged uh version of this and vince <laughs> is like what, what are you talking about and then uh, nails is like fuck's this paycheck you know didn't ain't got enough to fucking buy a new pair of shoes and Vincent's like well you won the second match for five minutes and uh, Nils then grabs Vince McMahon by the throat and proceeds to choke the shit out of him and uh know, <laughs> gets immediately. Sean just sucked his dick <laughs> Nils went full <laughs> off <laughs> uh, Nils gets immediately fired um, and this is during and the winter was where... like I don't ever play the sub I'm always the dom <laughs> Well, Nails was having world title matches against Bret Hart. He was out, if you can imagine, he was facing how many of these happened while he was awake? Sorry. Did these really happen? These <laughs> happened. He faced Ultimate Warrior. Sorry.
1: Was... Nails had world championship matches against Bret Hart.
0: Yes. And Ultimate Warrior. Well, not World Title matches against Warrior, but he was in main events against Warrior. Yeah, you don't get me wrong. He was losing to Warrior in 30 seconds. And on that talk. On that show that I brought up on the, the hidden gems, the much needed to see by footage nerds, because there's always been a picture of it, Nails against the Warriors on there, that's 30 seconds. But that's also Nails' second match of the night. So
1: Oh my God, the shows where Nails has more than one match.
0: <laughs> but well, yeah, he beats Do someone. you like wrestling? You won't soon. <laughs> I like this time period, Frankfurt, and I like Nails. I like
1: this time period. Okay. I just don't fucking like watching Nails.
0: <laughs> so Nails would eventually say that uh, Vince tried to uh, molest him, and uh, obviously that very much th- did not fly. Um, because... Do you know why that won't
1: have worked? Any time in court, show footage of the fucking face on Nails <laughs> in any match. Like, look at this Fucking Summerslam, like that, foaming at the mouth, fucking truly terrifying. Like he makes Kurgan look like a fucking American male, just so that I can bring them up on every single show. Like Nails is one of the most unattractive wrestlers of all time, and somehow his defense against Vince not paying him very well for being shit and having shown short matches was that Vince tried to shag him. It blows my mind of all the things you could go to. The last thing I would go to if I looked like Nails was that he tried to shag me. You're not little, you you can't play the whole like, oh, I pinned us down. You're a fucking muckle giant and you look like a foot. Like, there is no way anyone in the world is going to believe that Vince would get rid of his standing as a conservative head of a major company because he tried to shag <laughs> nails of all the beautiful men that have come through that company. It was nails that Vince couldn't resist. He
0: just
1: <laughs> flew over the fucking desk and immediately tried to bum when they talked paychecks. Fucking hell, man.
0: <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> nails is gone basically, but it's really bad timing because he's gone in December and guess who's on the cover of the January magazine for the whole month? Nails grabbing the soap in his prison fucking orange. oranges. Ready for the <laughs> <dance>. <laughs> Oh,
1: God.
0: Oh, God. Did I ever talk, I think we talked about the, the theme tune that someone wrote for Nails on YouTube. <laughs> no, but please okay. do now. So on YouTube, as a joke, someone uploaded Nails theme tune and it's forty five seconds of silence. <laughs> um, so someone, uh, someone called James Martin, not the TV chef and not my mate James Martin. Um, <clears throat> he posted, "Yes, Nails did have a theme, duh." And uh, someone replied, "Mister Henry, uh, Mister Henry Leopard," <laughs> uh, replied, "Yeah, I remember it actually. Even managed to remember some lyrics." and the lyrics go uh, you don't need to worry about fugs and punks but you really don't want to share a bunk with Nails, whoa whoa whoa, it's Nails cause he don't care if you're poor or rich, he w- only wants you as a prison bitch, it's Nails whoa whoa whoa, it's Nails he'll fill you with fear, no joy, no hope you better watch out when you drop the soap around Nails whoa whoa whoa, it's Nails dun dun dun, fucking Nails <laughs> <laughs> the last time fucking Nails <laughs> Whoa, 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 it's fucking nails. <laughs> then James Martin replies... Pyro,
1: go off now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> James Martin replies, do you know where I can find it?
1: <laughs> oh, you daft cunt. <laughs>
0: and then uh, Mr. Henry Lepard uh, replies, those lyrics aren't real. I just made them up, taking the piss, not even sure if you had a theme song, in all honesty. I never heard it, at least. And then uh, James Martin's like, hmm, okay, thanks anyways. <laughs>
1: Tom son, bitch! You, you've got this this free Lep Zeppelin, Dave Lep Zeppelin, and you fucking you
0: thought it was real. Oh, did you ever hear Neil's without his uh, voice gimmick?
1: No, mercifully.
0: Have you not? He sounds like Roddy Piper. What is he Canadian? He's not. Com- no, but he's he just like you know, uh, Batman. Just we- up, I'm stuck uh, up around here. This that- is where my voice is certain. That's what he sounds like. Um, oh, dear. No wonder the fucking nails him up. <laughs> and well, that's the thing. He's done indie shows since WWF, and they don't, I, I guess they didn't think about having the technology to mess with his voice. So, yeah, that's what he sounds so like. So he just talks like this!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I say my favorite nails thing is still Battle of the Two Worst Wrestlers of All Time? <laughs> that fucking New <laughs> Japan match me and you were watching where fucking Elegante has the greatest entrance music of all time. It's like on a fucking door, bro, with loads of echo and treated uh, fucking rockers out. and And it sounds badass as fuck. And then you watch Elegante versus Nails. And he doesn't have his SummerSlam gear on.
0: Oh, that's all the gear he ever had. Well, he um, he might have had more than one jumpsuit. I don't know, but he he sold it, and um, and I know he has it, and I'm only slightly jealous um, that he has it. But um, yeah, whether he had more than one or not, because if he only had one, he wore that thing for about eight years.
1: That must smell. Mm-hmm. Don't be jealous of the guy who owns that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we cut from Virgil and Nails to uh Sensational Sherry. Backstage with Gene Oakland, and uh, Sherry's looking fucking spectacular on this.
1: <laughs> we actually we got one bit before that where Alfred Hayes found oh, a very it, very flimsy locked door that he couldn't open to see if Mister Perfect was in there.
0: <laughs> investigative it's reporter. Macho's door,
1: I think, isn't it? Yeah, investigative reporter
0: Alfred Hayes. He's he's at his best on this because like he's always meant to be like sort of pompous and everything, but he finds it rude that he tries to sneak in on people <laughs> and slam the door on them. And it's yeah, just, as like, I oh.
1: try and break into your door, I find that your private domicile has become locked. This is terribly <laughs> rude.
0: Mate, you're not allowed in.
1: If you come to my door, it's fucking locked.
0: <laughs> and who knows what Randy Savage was doing in that locker room in 1992. Cocaine <laughs> or <Okay, no>, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, Stephanie. <laughs> oh! Oh! Anyway. <clears throat> we we'll cut to, then we cut to Sherry um, and Gene Oglin well to Auckland's at that he's pervy best <laughs> during this and uh, Sherry is, is she had so much range even within managing the same person because like Sherry could be like the vicious defensive Sherry for her man and then she's totally ditzy in love
1: and she mentions that as well yeah. She goes full Tommy Wynette and she quotes like, I'm going to stand by my man and <laughs> plays the full battered wife stuff, which is fucking hilarious after we've just seen footage of like her and Rick Martell bonding over ludic- ludicrously dangly earrings. Or <laughs> we've we've seen the, the match that Rick Martell was involved in where Shawn Michaels was like, whoa, is Rick against Bret Hart? And this is for the belt. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't know if you know the rule, but nobody called Shawn Michaels is allowed to have the belt, so you both have to lose.
0: <laughs> well, one thing I've got to say about it, like them showing all these clips together to build up the match, this isn't a video package. It's just showing Sherry what's going on, but this speaks to Gene Oakland's talent to be able to just look at the footage and just build the story and also stir shit as well, like with no yeah, script whatsoever. Gene's a fucking oh. genius. And he does this later on as well for the... the Flair, uh, sorry, the Savage Warrior thing as well. Yeah, but, um, he does. The, what, Sherry's great. And like Gene Oakland wants to know which side is Sherry going to be on because she fancies Rick Martel. They're not allowed to punch each other in the face, which I feel should have been uh, mentioned over the PA because uh, I don't think the crowd. I agree
1: that. with that. It's not clear to the crowd. And no. I really like that. You're both pretty no face base rule. Because mm-hmm. you I know- think it's a fucking class. That, that feels southern to me. It it's does. like a bullshit thing where she's like, I declare, you're both so <laughs> beautiful. I don't want to see nobody get biffed in the face. <laughs> like, I really fucking love it. Like, that should have been announced to the crowd. And a British audience would have fucking ate that up. They underestimated the fucking social club slash Butlins vibe of that rule
0: that we would have loved. Yeah. And and this match definitely falls under that as well with a little bit of slapstick and uh, a genuine funniness as well because you've got such pros out there who know what they're doing uh, that even though it's, I, within the context it's meant to be a serious subject but it's also funny because it's just two heels and you don't really care who wins and it's just you know Sherry. You flash, hate them flash, both. <laughs> you hate them both. And you, yeah. So we'll cut to Martel who's already in the ring dressed in tennis gear and uh, I did not get that right. He's like in tennis gear with
1: pink leg warmness and it didn't become a gimmick that they would do like i was sure vince would be like this is a tennis player who got kicked out of tennis because he complained (laughs) too much on the court so here he is to wrestle this is wimble or like (laughs) tennis the menace Ah. (laughs) tennis the menace and he's gonna be involved in the billy jean king of the ring (laughs) against andre the giant agassi and big
0: john stud McEnroe. You know, you've worked hard on that I'll applaud I'll tip me I'm not wearing a hat admit, but I'm just I'll, pissed I'll tip me <laughs> <hat. Yeah>. um, <laughs> I'm pissed on sports On 90s <laughs> <laughs> Well Martel's gimmick was It wasn't just Coming out as a tennis He wore just Different clothes Because he's a model in that By late 90s oh, I remember yeah. that Calendar shots mm-hmm. And he came out What dressed as a sailor There was a photo shoot Of him in that And uh, yeah There was various a Totally straight outfit Where he's dressed as a sailor one of the first images I remember of Rick Mortel is that sailor, and he's got the pipe in his mouth with his glasses down and all that kind of thing. He's like a sea captain, I guess. Um, like not exactly Captain Birdseye, but... Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> if only. Could have got a tie in. So Sean, and, and Sean, I've got to say, it in the UK, and you would see this on sub, uh, subsequent UK shows, the girls fucking love Shawn Michaels. In that audience Um,
1: He's a fucking pretty motherfucker My little sister Fucking loved him
0: <laughs> Well he definitely gets the reaction But highlight of the entrance Is when Sherry turns around On the apron And that fucking arse Is hanging out <laughs> And Vince is just it go- is
1: well out Her ass there as well like, Can I just say Congratulations to Sherry For all the squats And deadlifts She did there Because she has a Fucking gloriously Muscular arse She does and- Vince even tries to make some kind of twin Peaks joke about her arse not realising Peaks are tits. (laughs) Bobby just jumps (laughs) in and goes, do you mean twin cheeks?
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing. It wasn't over the top commentary as well. It was just like, it was just two white men not sure what to do.
1: (laughs) Aye. Um, Old white gadgets who aren't very cool.
0: (laughs) But yeah, Sherry is looking stunning on this. They made a figure of that, you know, with her arse hanging out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh bless her She looks fucking badass though She was yeah. in good shape
0: You know what though When um, And I wish this interview Would show back up on YouTube It was the The toy convention The year that that figure came out And Sherry's there And she's looking at the figure And she's so fucking humble She's like oh, I can't be- You know I can't believe That you know, got out of the way To make a figure of me I love that they're starting To make the managers And the midgets And all of that I'm just like oh,
1: darling You're you a fucking star you were a wrestling star Before and after this point yeah. Well, if you watch, hey, she she comes and wrestles and producer and stuff in WCW 2000. Yeah. As we'll come to, like, Sherry is a fucking bona fide star. She is not just a manager.
0: She is so southern in like an old school demure. I declare, like, ladylike way. But if you piss her off,
1: um, then- yeah, she's got the fire. Yeah. She's a southern bell, but she's got fire behind her. Oh, <sighs> I love fucking Sherry. Not many... bless sherry. Oh, what yeah. a wonderful woman.
0: She and we'll do more on Sherry because like I just that was one of those ones where I don't cry with many wrestlers. But Sherry dying was like that was awful. And it was a week before Benoit. So everyone thinks about Benoit during that time. Um but forget
1: her the way they forget Nancy as well. I fucking hate it. <laughs> Nancy, I, I'm sorry to get on a tangent here. Yeah. Nancy deserves in the fucking Hall of Fame. Nancy is a Hall of Fame talent in her own right. And I love Chris Benoit and the stuff that happened with him is a fucking horrible tragedy and he did terrible things, but he was also very mentally ill and damaged. And I hate that Nancy is overshadowed as being Chris Benoit's victim rather than a wonderful Hall of Fame talent in her own right. I'm sorry to take that on a tangent, but it's a thing I feel very passionately about, and I love Nancy.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michaels and Martel, it's a risk having two heels, but they pull this off fantastically. They do it in a way
1: where you watch two heels, where you think, fuck both of those guys, I want to see one of them lose. I want to see someone get hit in the
0: face. Luckily, the, the gimmick worked for this match because it's one of those things And we talk about this with Rude and Steamboat that they have a WWF-style match in the WWF, but by the time they get to WCW, they're having 30-minute Iron Man classics. And I think that Martell and Michaels, either in WCW at this point or a few years later in WWF, would have had the match that you'd expect from Shawn Michaels and Rick mm-hmm. Martell. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. There's, you are kind of limited in a way with the heel thing, but also the no punching in the face. It kind of... it it works for what it is. And it's a fantastic forgotten about match. I like it. I like it. It's a very forgotten about match because again, it's like the, the, yeah, um, the screwy finish and all that kind of thing. And it's not there to really put one over or put the other over and stuff like that. It's just.
1: The finish does draw away from it, I think, but mostly just because of how long it goes on. Like a screwy finish on pay-per-view is bad but a one that fucking goes on as long as this is a bit dodgy. But to go back to Sherry for a moment, one thing I think Sherry is underappreciated for at the time is how sexually she undoes Sean's chaps, especially in that (laughs) year where her bum's on display. She's basically kneeling with her bum thonged out to the hard camera with her ridiculously great muscular stature. (laughs) And then she's like, gradually button by button unbuttoning Sean while she kneels face to the crotch in front of him and I thought that's canny fucking risque for WWE 92
0: I love Vince he's like this may be the highlight of the match
1: <laughs> he does actually say that yeah but, but then he ruins his own crack like I thought that was great but Bobby Heenan's like talking about how great Sean is with the ladies and he's talking about how great Rick is with the ladies and he's like I'm a bit of a ladies man myself and Vince goes what with lady giraffes, that was like, so random. <laughs> like, no, no, I don't fuck giraffes, Vince. Sorry, with ladies with vaginas who are female that understands a lot about how you book women going forward. <laughs> I was clearly talking about women and not, in fact, fucking African Serengeti animals. Thank you for clearing that up. Back to you, Vince. Do
0: you think Sherry got a locker room to herself? <laughs> like in Wembley, because she was the only. Which woman I wouldn't there. have done with me. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> I, you, <laughs> Sherry would have. No, fucking- I- I was going to say Sherry would have, Sherry would have eaten me alive. Like, would have-
1: Sherry would be more than I could handle, maybe. Or maybe I would be exactly what Sherry's after. I, I love this match. This is also something for the ladies as well. It's, it's, it's a fun match. Yeah. It's a good match. It's got a very soapy story. It's got very soapy stakes. It gets very silly but it's all in like a romantic contest. And apart see, from the stuff that happens after the match, I can't criticize it. This is arses. some good soapy lady stuff. There's plenty of horses.
0: could arses. have been
1: more male horses. I'm surprised that Sherry didn't manage to somehow keg Sean and Rick just to make it the best of all parties for everyone, gay, straight, <laughs> male or female. And then it could have been great. But yeah, I, I thought this was fucking fantastic. And this was the car crash romance love triangle. Like proto Russo stuff that is good shit.
0: It is. It, it really does stand out compared to just about anything WWF was doing at that time. And sadly, doesn't go anywhere. I mean, obviously, the, the pushing Sean to the Intercontinental title, but I, I just feel you could have done much more with it. And if you wanted, maybe have Sherry go with Martel, um, which yeah. would have made a Sherry Martel Martel, I guess. But like, um, <laughs> again. <laughs> Um, which always confused me as a kid why they never mentioned that. But um, yeah, the, it just seemed like Martel, because he went into that pointless feud with Tatanka where he nicked these feathers to use them as a fashion statement. And that's
1: just cartoon rubbish. Yeah. You could have done a real thing with this. Have a decisive finish. A double count out. I'm sorry, like, I know people are like, oh, think about the time and think about what match you're going to next. A double count out at SummerSlams is not acceptable.
0: No, but I think the crowd are willing to accept this because there is kind of a Because they get nothing the else
1: because it's the first pay-per-view here ever and no, there won't
0: but, be another one after. Not that. I think that the fact that this does... The feud also ends During this That it is the blow-off Which is sad Because obviously A lot more could you know, So definitely... a blow-off
1: ends On a double count out well,
0: No but Yeah But the, the blow-off ends With Sherry getting a come up Because she was playing them Against each other And then she pretends to collapse Which I think is hilarious It's um, very funny
1: How long she stays out for It's <laughs> out cold so long Even Bobby Heenan's like Surely she's faking this <laughs>
0: And uh yeah, they start carrying her back to look it, it, and Sherry takes some fucking bumps
1: when and she gets carried for fucking ages. Sean can't hold her anymore. By the time he gets swelled, he is relieved because Sherry outweighs Sean's little fucking twink ass by then. He is not able to fucking hold her. So when they get swilled and he's like, Oh, thank god I can fucking drop you. That's quite love, funny.
0: I love that Martel's carrying a like a princess, uh, but Sean's just heaved her. Sean's carrying she- like a
1: bag of potatoes.
0: <laughs> plenty, again, can't stress enough Plenty of sherry R shots during this. Oh,
1: so much This is a wonderful match We are understating it <laughs> Because there's not much to complain about or talk about There's not fancy high spots This is a fucking great match That If there was anything so far You were going to go and watch on SummerSlam Go and watch this match Because this is good fun You won't get a decisive finish And you don't get a satisfying like, after match But it's good fun and I did like the bit where she gets hit with the water when she finally has to wake up.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, though, she's so far down the aisle still because this is a long fucking aisle. She has to run. It's a
1: fucking long aisle at Wembley, <laughs> isn't it? He has to walk for miles. That's why Sean's back's given out. <laughs> um. So before She's we get- a wrestler in her own right. This yeah. isn't a little dolly bird. This is Sherry.
0: Yeah, and, uh, she's... Definitely one of the more remembered parts of the show as well. Like, she's fucking great. Like, content of good things about Sherry. So, is JJ Dillon one of the people who gets yes. in the pull apart? Well, that's the thing that I was going to bring up as well. This is a dark, uh, a piece of footage that, which isn't shown, it is available on YouTube. It was filmed with a fucking potato, but it, uh, it was 1992 and it's been digitized. (laughs) But uh, this, this was a long rumored thing until eventually we get, asked Lanny Poffo about this. And he doesn't remember. He was at the event and his dad was there and he doesn't fucking remember. But um, they do this bit where there's a podium and they interview, a few wrestlers, sorry, the introduce a few legends, including uh, Angelo Poffo, who the crowd do not know, Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, who gets a nice reception, you know, any of the legends. Freddie Blassie, uh, I think JJ gets mentioned. There's a couple of others as well, and they just go to the ring just to wave to the crowd. That should have been your world of sports spot instead of, like, random Angelo Poffo's. Definitely, definitely.
1: Um, I wouldn't have known who Angelo Poffo was in 92,
0: like. No, and I don't think anyone was meant to know. that. You know, it wasn't, like, father of Randy Savage, but if the bloke holding the camera, as is usually the case is smart to a point, and pointed out we said oh he's Randy Savage's dad, and uh when Pat Patterson gets because uh, <laughs> this is ninety two, <laughs> um, Pat Patterson gets in and He's like oh yes, Pat Patterson, he's the one that's like touching kids. Which I mean, again, you know, we're not implying anything, but this is definitely this is what the dad says, and it just shows you how. Back much- then,
1: that was unique as well. Like you. I find it difficult to know who they're even talking about if someone made a handicam comment I like, <laughs> aim it at to UK and just say oh yeah that's the guy who's touching kids and you're like sorry which one
0: um, so again this is uh, one of those things that I'm sure they've got the footage of and I wish they would put out there um, and they probably never will the only other bit of uh, sort of dark footage which i've seen is for whatever reason they show on no those legends shows where they'll sat around a table getting drunk and smoking cigars um, <laughs> <laughs> but they do one about outdoor events and they show footage of vince and somerside 92 walking to the ring and that's the only other bit of uh footage that is official anywhere sort of thing um <laughs> but i think Didn't that's yeah, so where so before we head to the natural disasters and Beverly Brothers, there's another uh, I believe there's another interview. This with, with there
1: a- is another interview where, as with every single other fucking segment on this entire fucking show, you have to talk about the Queen of England. You get <laughs> you get Bor and Sean Mooney talking uh, like about the nasty boys who are yucking it up about sherry <laughs> yeah. and failing to pronounce Thames they say, the river Thames. That's good heat
0: right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, which they definitely don't know they've just got. And then, yeah, (laughs) bullshit about the Queen of England before
0: the Beverlys and the Natural Disasters come out. Now, this interview, though, does serve a purpose, and you picked up on this, that it is the very, very start of why aren't the nasties getting the tag title shot? And uh, yeah, because, they do
1: call Jimmy Hart on that
0: because Sean Mooney says that, or it, Sean, Sean or Jimmy says, Money Inc are the number one contenders. And then Nasty's like, What about us? And he's like, Oh, well, you're number one contenders as well. Like, it's just that easy. Like, you'll be the next number one contenders. <laughs> Everyone will get a go. Um, if the fat guys beat the guys nobody likes, you will <laughs> definitely get a shot. <laughs> now, this was uh, an interview that was also left off the original video as well, but then subsequently put on the Thai Classic. And on every other version as it's well. It's on the network version, Mike. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, though, the network version and the anthology version, is all clear, cleaned up footage as well because it comes directly from the master, whereas the quality video releases are taken from the video masters that were sent like the VHS masters. And mm. if you notice, mm. the things that were cut out are like substantially poorer quality than what was left in. Um, and that might be a reason. But uh, if you notice, like the picture quality drops quite substantially with that. But that is the very start of a very subtle long-term turning of the Nasty Boys, which was a great... I
1: actually think that's good, putting in that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, just plant the seeds. And Yeah, yeah I there's... really like that. Yeah, not enough of that going on. I mean, we'll talk about that going off top, but when eventually they bring back the horseman night yet, and mungo's like planting those seeds of just lifting the four fingers and all that kind of thing and just build suspense oh and
1: it's so good that and when like on each week is like refused and getting further <laughs> and further away It's so fucking good that mm-hmm.
0: so uh yeah so we go to uh, natural disasters against the beverly brothers i've interviewed two people from this match which i think is a record for this uh for this entire card i think um did you
1: interview Matey and Beverly Brothers too.
0: Um <laughs> uh, Matey and uh Lanny Poffo.
1: Oh shit, right. You interviewed the genius, right? I'll take that back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh all on the archives. So um and he said that that was one of his most proud poems. Um, because he's using British history, but he doesn't actually get it wrong for a heel. But he is a genius, to be fair. And he doesn't mention yeah. the royal family, which is uh, I was just
1: gonna say, he doesn't mention the fucking
0: royalty. <laughs> it does sound like it, there's such a sharp cut of audio that it felt like that they cut out a, like a really deeply inappropriate verse from his poem. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> imagine, <no they> <laughs> but you know, I think he talks about Churchill and the World Cup, and it's like they were memorable, and now tonight will be memorable because the Beverly Brothers will win the tag titles. It's like, no, they won't, no, they won't. Um, and the No reason, again, for the crowd to particularly hate the Beverly Brothers, but they love the natural disasters. And I think it's there is a very throwback World of Sport, Big Daddy, Giant, Haystack's feel. I thought that this
1: was Daddy and Haystack as a team.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, they get a huge reaction. And it's almost forgotten about that this is the tag title match. And I feel bad saying that after interviewing uh, Typhoon because... He's so proud of that match, and rightly so. Um, it's fun. It is fun. Yeah, I, I like Bobby Heenan calling him buffoon. It's a typhoon all the way through as well. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, this is the kind of match that potentially, because the show's been going on a little bit by this point, that could have lost the crowd. Um, and I'm sure, probably would have in America. Yes, that is true. And John Tenter, I'm sure, subsequently said that it wasn't the match that it should have been.
1: uh, He has one of my favourite alternative, for want of a better phrase, hot tags in this match, though. Oh, please. When he gets tagged in, they set it up like the standard hot tag and whichever Beverly Brother is crawling over and reaching the tag out. And he gets tagged in and he comes in really slowly and just like stalks across and just points uh, whichever Beverly brother it is, and he's like, you're going to fucking get it before he gives him it. And I really like that because a hot tag is always, tag, run in, close clothesline, clothesline, stop big moves. And he just walks in really slowly and points at him and it's like, time to fucking die. And I really like that.
0: <laughs> that was the thing if you noticed when the natural disasters turn face, especially when they were facing jobbers, they were kind of happy, jolly natural disasters because there was no reason to piss them off because the jobbers weren't going to stand a chance anyway. Um, But it is kind of funny that your, your whole personality changes (laughs) once you turn face. Um, Like Jimmy Hart's got some kind of like hold over you, like psychologically or whatever, but, that, to me, is what the natural disasters and why the tag titles should have stayed longer around, well, I was going to say around the waists, but over the shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. That it should have been that whole, you don't wake the sleeping giant. Because Earthquake, when he is, there's a story, Brett tells a story about the Hall of Fame, where Earthquake's on the plane and he wants to sleep and he's fucking miserable because there's no room. And this kid comes over to Brett and is like, can I have your autograph? And he's like, yeah, can I have Earthquake's autograph? And he's like, oh, he's asleep, but go on, I think you should wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking, this kid just fucking starts, like, touching him and you just see him going, mmm. and then fucking he winds back and slaps Earthquake right in his fucking forehead. <laughs> and you just see... <laughs> You just see the fucking like two black holes just fucking open up and just fucking want to kill this kid, but um, <laughs> like his his eyes when he's angry. If you watch the Katao match on that Tenryu Show ninety one where he's shooting against him, that like, you don't want to piss I, you I don't do no, not want to piss off fuck. earthquake like he's not a fish. <laughs> but that's the thing. There's a there is a legitimacy and maybe they should have talked about their sporting backgrounds and the sumo, which they would eventually do later on when he returned. Um, But they should have kept the tag team champions. Um, And, you know, the head shrinkers were coming in. Those would have been fucking brutal matches in like the best possible sense, just four big lads brain each other. Um, But sadly, they didn't keep the belts what like another two months, and then they lost them on Wrestling Challenge, which was like the sea show at that point. So yeah, the uh, after a bit of chicanery from uh, the Beverly Brothers, you know, they used the Geniuses Scroll and everything. But just, you know, like you said, Earthquake gets that hot tag. They fucking Bray the Beverly Brothers, and no one really believed the Beverlies were probably going to win this match. I think um,
1: I like that about it, though. Like the you got the stuff with the scroll and that, and they still didn't lose. The Beverly's were pinned clean, and the genius got his comeuppance. Like to me, that is all boxes ticked for a big pay per view.
0: It is, and I think without this being a tag title match, it may not have had the like the lure that it did for the crowd. That the the fact that the titles could have changed hands, because again, it should have been Money Inc and uh, LOD, but mm. this did. You know, it's it's kind of one of those if you ask even people who were at SummerSlam what was the tag title match, they probably would have said Money against LOD. Um, it's, yeah, the big
1: tag match. It's what you think of. It's the big teams.
0: Yeah. And, um, and you know, I think this is probably a good time to... It's kind of funny because this is the match where the sun starts to go down. So we'll, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll split this into two bits as well because this is an epic event and I feel that it deserves all we can give it. Um, and... Two parts is the best way to go about doing this, I think. So, uh, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on part one, and what you're looking forward to with part two?
1: Well, I mean, I've actually really enjoyed part one, and I even really enjoyed this match. Like, I know it seems like a match I wouldn't particularly like, and it's just like two fat cunts against the team. It's not <laughs> <that over. laughs> like, oh. In reality, like I right, love okay. this match, like Tenta and Tugboat together fucking sh- Sharky and Matey. They they are glorious, like Giant Haystacks and Big Daddy tag team together. I love it. And like, I really enjoyed this match. So yeah, I, I think if you take out the Nails and Virgil match, first part is a great success.
0: It really is. I mean,
1: the only downside I guess would be the non-finish to the Shawn Michaels and Rick Martel match. Like, there's a bit of farting about for quite a while before the pantomime bucket water spot comes in. Like There's a bit of a lull before that. But other than that, fun event so far.
0: I think in front of, as we've said before, only in front of this type of family British audience who are into waving the phone fingers around and they're chanting and all that kind of stuff and are there for the spectacle, you could only get away with some of this stuff at SummerSlam 92, I think.
1: Yeah, probably. There's a house show element to some other stuff.
0: There, there absolutely is. It is a very much a showcase of stars, but again, that's partly what makes SummerSlam. And as the tagline goes, the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see. And there's lots of firsts, like shown against Martel and two face matches as well. Like it's so fucking stacked. But if you look at like the, the actual. Details of the match, like there's some matches that you really thought would you would never see in these kind of circumstances. So, yeah, summer 792 is insanely special and such a fun pay-per-view to watch. And everyone needs to go back and at least watch part one until uh <laughs> until the start part two. <laughs> um, so yeah, and as you can tell, we fucking love talking about this and British history as well, uh, sporting history and WWF history and WCW history as it pertains to this country, because this is like what made us fans basically and we hold this so near to our fucking hearts um,
1: 100%
0: so yeah uh so that was part one of our monster review of SummerSlam 92 Electric Boogaloo and uh, <laughs> I want to thank Tempest for uh joining me with this because you know I guess this was my choice because the WCW ones are usually Tempest choice, but we both agreed <laughs> SummerSlam 92 had to be done um it had to be done yes and uh we will see you all next week see you then